0: Hello, friends. Hero here. This week's trailer comes from Camlan, a phenomenal new audio drama that reimagines Arthurian legend through a queer modern lens. It's an epic post-apocalyptic fantasy following three survivors and their dog as they try to understand how the world ended and how to build a home in its ashes. I am, frankly, a little unhinged about this podcast. Please do yourselves a favour and give it a listen. Stay tuned to the end of the credits to hear more and see the show notes for additional details. Travelling Light Episode 14 Entry EN85011-6 A description of an adiectum discovered at an archaeological dig in Doino with a discussion of the fine significance. Keywords Adiecta Archaeology Architecture Doino Local History Potamos Notes In the mid-afternoon, a small commotion arose from one of The trenches. When I went to see what the fuss was about, I found the dig team diligently scraping away at a big rectangular slab, cooing over it as if it were the pride of the galaxy. Early spotted me and waved me into the trench to hear Tsarbek's explanation of the find. How's that for a bit of rock? Sarbeck said when I joined them, their eyes twinkling. They turned to Early, who was standing bright with attention. Well, my dear, go on. "'Tell me what you see.' "'What? Me?' said Early, clearly alarmed. Wh- "'What do you mean?' "'Precisely what I say. Tell me what you see. Don't worry about the context for now, just tell me what you notice.' Early's mouth twisted with uncertainty. "'All right, um, uh, I think it is made of stone?' Uh, sorry, that was stupid. It's not stupid at all. It's made of stone. What else? Um, I suppose... Uh, is it quite big? Why are you asking me? Is it big or isn't it? It is, they said more confidently. It is a big stone rectangle. Um... Come on. Sarbeck chivvied. Tell me what you see. Where is it? It is on the ground. No, they corrected. No, it is in the ground. The trench is deep. It was buried a long way down. And the trench, they said in a sudden rush of inspiration. This one is near where the original piece of masonry was found. Is this made of the same sort of stone? We'll get to that. Good thinking, though. Now, look at the artefact itself. What can you make out? Early pulled a face. It is very dirty. Or so would you be if we buried you in the back garden? Come on, you've already established it's made of stone. It won't disintegrate if you clean it up a little. Thus chided, Early squatted down, running their hand over the face of the slab to clear what mud from it they could. They sat back on their haunches to assess their efforts. Oh. The face has carvings on it. The edges have this border running all the way around. And, uh, well, there are things in the middle too, but I cannot really see what they are. Sarbeck helped early to their feet. Very good, they said, warmth bleeding into their voice even as they tried to maintain their professorial posture. Now you've gathered all this information, our next job is working out what it means. Let's start from the start. Hmm. We found it in the ground, several feet deep. What might its depth be able to tell us? When Early looked blank, they turned to me. Well, any ideas? I had not expected to be called on, and scrambled for an answer. I suppose the deeper it is, the longer it has been down there. To my relief, Tzarbeck nodded. Just so. Time falls in sheets, each layer resting atop the last. When we dig, we move through those layers, from the most recent to the most ancient. At this depth, and in this particular trench, I should say we're looking at a piece of some antiquity. Now, the object itself. It is a big, rectangular slab with some sort of image on one side. It was meant to be viewed, presumably, and with that presumption, we can make a guess at how it may have been displayed. Different sizes of image have to be viewed from different perspectives. You can't take in the fine details of a painting the size of your hand from the other side of the room, and you can't see a mural if you stand with your nose against the bricks. This is a great big slab with great big images on. It was meant to be viewed from a distance, perhaps up on a wall or above a door, somewhere you could get a real look at the whole thing in situ. Which brings us to the location. We already know from the other finds here that this was the site of an ancient temple. If I tell you that first piece of masonry was from a wall, that runs right around this whole area. What does that tell you? Early pulled a face, looking for all the world like they were doing some kind of terribly difficult mental maths. I suppose it means it was indoors. So, Sarbeck prompted, this image was where, precisely? Inside a temple, high up on an interior wall. Their eyes widened. Oh, oh, they must have wanted to see it while they worshipped, maybe? Perhaps the carving is something to do with their faith, a depiction of something, a story or an idea or or an important person? Sarbeck beamed at them like a farmer beholding their prize pumpkin. Excellent deduction. Of course, it's pure conjecture at this point, but it's a jolly good start. Early did not say anything, but their posture somehow became even more perfect, a flush of colour touching the high points of their cheeks. The carving itself is rather worn. We'll need to wait on proper imaging scans to really see what's going on. But just from looking at the thing where we found it, we can make all sorts of guesses. Good, grounded guesses about what it meant and what else it might tell us. Even now, lying there in the mud, it has a whole story. It's just dying to sing out to us. And the more you study this stuff, the more story you can squeeze from what you find. For example, you have no way of knowing this, but this slab reminds me of a certain class of object known as adiectra. Edi in the singular. It's an archaeological term for a decorative stone plug, specifically one carved separately and then set into an existing wall at a later date. Brindy and her team have put a tentative date on the foundations of this temple at around 2,000 years ago. But that style of carving on the border there is one we don't see in these parts until about a 1,000 years after that. Either this slab is a very early example of this design, setting our timeline for the development of that artistic style back quite significantly, or... Or it was added later. A thousand years later. People worshipped here for over a thousand years. Oh, no, it it might not have been the whole time. But they might have come back to it, or reused the building for a new faith, or, or something. Sarbeck laughed, a rare, real laugh, their hands clasped across their stomach as if to hold themselves together. <laughs> now you're getting it! All that inference from one, admittedly rather impressive, find. Imagine what we might learn when we have time to really study this site. Early huffed a breath, hands on their hips, looking down at the slab with fresh wonder. That is. Amazing! Sarbeck clapped them on the shoulder, or as close to the shoulder as they could reach. That, my young friend, is archaeology. Eleventh ENU 850 continued. When I returned to the dig, Griori took it upon himself to show me around the parts of the garden not yet ravaged by the excavation, I think is a tactic to drum up some additional sympathy for his plight. It reminded me, rather, of Nilsie's garden back in Emmerain, though you may tell her from me that Griori's sugar peas were nothing like as impressive as hers. He had a pond tucked into one corner, and I do hope that, at least, is not disturbed by the digging. There were little green plants floating across the surface of the water, and he scooped some up to show me. I have no roots, see? They grow in ponds and lakes and slow rivers, drifting about and getting everything they need from the water and the sun. Each one was about the size of my fingernail, with fluffy fronds sticking out from a central structure. I think the proper name is Inopinata, but I've always heard them called frog's pillows. When I went to check up on the others, I was surprised to find early Kneeling in one of the trenches, excavating the little patch of dirt in front of them under the careful watch of one of Brindy's teammates. They had cast off their not so practical travelling cloak and replaced it with a knitted jumper in a very unlikely pattern. Whoever they borrowed it off must have been enormous. It hung loose off their shoulders, and they had had to roll back the sleeves so that the bulk of the bunched fabric made their wrists look fine-boned and elegant in comparison. They had their skirts tied up into makeshift shorts, and when they stood, there were smears of dirt on their knees. They were, in short, as scruffy as I had ever seen them, and I could not help but smile. You have gone native, I said, sitting down on the side of the trench. The others were setting down their tools and finding comfortable places to sit and eat packed lunches. Early hopped up to sit beside me, cleaning their hands with some water and a spare bit of skirt. I think I shall become an archaeologist, they said cheerfully. It suits me. You would have dirt under your fingernails for the rest of your life. They pondered this as they ate, hungry from a morning's work. Perhaps then I shall become an actor and play an archaeologist in the theatre instead. Are there many plays about archaeologists? You can write me some. Oh, I am to be a playwright now, am I? Yes, they said decisively, and Sarbeck can be our expert advisor, so that you use all the right words for things and I do not get my costume wrong. I had brought an hourin with me from the Toller, and I peeled it and broke it into segments, handing some to early. I do feel a little like I am on a school trip, they said. Oh, like I have been well-behaved all week and am being taken on an excursion as a treat. If you are very good, you may have some pocket money for the gift shop. They laughed, kicking their feet happily against the side of the trench and possibly destroying several millennia of valuable archaeological data. And they popped a slice of Auron into their mouth and in a quick, smooth motion leant sideways to tap their head against mine with a knock of soft, sudden, Affection, I spent most of the afternoon making myself useful, bringing people hot drinks and fetching tools, and trying not to get in the way. Finally, the light began to fade, and it was time for Tsarbek early and I to start the long trip back to Comey, just as Brindy was about to give us a lift back to the transit station. Griori came jogging over a jar in his hands, he rather pointedly ignored Brindy and the others. Focusing instead on me. They don't need much, he said, handing me the jar. Pop the lid off once they're somewhere they won't spill. Add some nutrient mix in the water once a year and that should do them. The jar was filled with water, with a handful of gravel at the base and a cluster of frog's pillows bobbing around inside. There is not much to say about the journey back. Zabek was quiet, lost in thoughts of ancient people and the gods they worshipped. Early, meanwhile fell asleep almost as soon as the transport left the station, with a smudge of dirt on their nose and an air of absolute contentment. I do not think anyone else on the tola was still awake when we got back. It was a strange mirror of the morning, slipping through the corridors like a parcel of ghosts. I have Griori's frog's pillows on my desk, bobbing quietly about. I will beg a lamp off Annalisa tomorrow to make sure they have enough light when we are travelling. They are very peaceful, and as I watch them, I find myself slipping into that peacefulness with them. I will write again soon. I love you all. Travelling Light was created by H.R. Owen and Matt McDyer and is a Monstrous Productions podcast. This episode was written and performed by H.R. Owen. This week's entry to the archives was based on an idea by H.R. Owen, with accompanying artwork available on our social media accounts. If you've got an idea for an archive entry, we want to hear it. You can send us anything from a one-line prompt to a fully written entry through our website, by email or on social media For more information see the show notes If you want to support Travelling Light please consider leaving a review on your podcast platform of choice You can also make a one-off donation or sign up for a monthly subscription at ko-fi.com slash Monstrous Productions Supporters will receive bonus artwork and additional content the ability to vote on audience decisions and an invitation to the Monstrous Productions Discord server This podcast is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. The theme tune is by Bingo. Please hold. Your call is very important to us, and we will get to it as quickly as we can. The cataclysm is frightening for everyone. Remember, in times like these, we need to stick together more than ever. If you need emergency assistance, please call 999. Your position in the queue is 300. And thirty-three. Hello, you've reached the Cataclysm Casualties Hotline. Can I take your name and date of birth? Peradou Green. Morgan Jones. Xu Jun Liu. Gwen Turner. Just call me Dai. Okay, and who are you calling for today? My mum, Shan Thomas. She was in Aberystwyth. Matthew and Louise Turner. In Kirkwall, on Orkney. My father, Kai Liu. Ben... Ben Jones. I, I saw something on the news about a sea He's 15 years old. Anna and Sophie Green. In Portsmouth. What's happening in Calhoun? Listen, is this real? I've been seeing news reports about dragons. Let me look that up for you. Where are you calling from today? Bristol. 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 Lester. I'm so sorry. It looks like we haven't got anyone listed under that name on the database. This means they haven't been listed as a fatality call back tomorrow and if you haven't heard anything from us or your loved one in three days try the online form I know this is scary but it's okay we're going to get through this together Kamla a post-apocalyptic audio drama by Ella Watts inspired by folklore and Arthurian legends coming January 2024 Produced by Tin Can Audio.